1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, February 29th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in in this hour, we're taking calls around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. But before we move any forward or any further, let's reset the scene here with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the kdos1060.com poll question bob had a conversation with jefferson powell from tigerdetails.com for all things Jaden daniels his rise in mock drafts and lsu football if you missed it podcast it over at kdos1060.com or with the kdos1060 app but here's the question uh, should former ASU quarterback Jaden Daniels be selected ahead of Drake May in the 2024 NFL draft? The masses are on the yes side of things here to the tune of 70% of the vote, no trailing at 30%. We'll officially provide our answer around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to X at KDUS AM 1060. Should the Arizona Cardinals trade Buda Baker? No leads the way here at 69.6% of the vote. Yes is trailing at 30.4%. This is another question that we'll answer around 1230. Plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Once, once again, 602-260-1060 is the number of calls around 1215. Let's bring it back here locally, though. The Phoenix Suns, they're back on the court tonight hosting the Houston Rockets. It's a 7 p.m. start on 3TV. And when we talk about stretch run for the Suns, this really is a stretch run here. There are no more uh, stretches during this period of time where they have three days off. And in fact, there are four back-to-backs. We've talked a little bit about the strength of schedule for the Suns here, where they face Houston twice uh, in a row. They face Oklahoma City twice. They face Denver twice, both times in Denver. They face Boston twice, Cleveland twice. They face the New Orleans Pelicans twice, the Timberwolves twice, the L.A. Clippers twice. That also is not a back-to-back, but they face them two games in a row. Milwaukee once and Sacramento once among some of the teams here in this stretch run and a very condensed stretch run, if you will. Well, the other thing is I noticed in the standings in the last couple of days here, they've played either two or three fewer games than all the people they're competing against. Uh, for playoff positioning, so it's uh they've, they've got you know I don't know if that factors into the difficulty of schedule. I think that's just a straight percentage thing, but uh, that's not a good thing either. It's nice that they haven't played since Sunday, I guess. I'm guess the players probably like that, but it's going to be a whole lot of games and a whole lot of uh you know sh- in a short period of time, and they can't afford to lose any games really at this point. Uh, they the good news is the last you know three days or four days really that they kind of had off here they've gone from eighth in the standings to fifth by not playing 
Uh, you know, the other thing that I think is going to have to to make a, a switch here, flip a switch, is Kevin Durant. Uh, he's certainly been struggling here with his shot of late, and it's including a stretch here of 13 for 50 behind the arc, which is 26% in his last eight games. Uh, you know, I don't expect this to continue for Kevin Durant, but when you are talking about facing this gauntlet that you have upcoming, you need him shooting as well as he can. I mean, Grayson Allen has been contributing from behind the arc really well uh his game actually I think I've been pretty impressed with with Grayson Allen and his his time in a Suns uniform and then if Royce O'Neal can get hot from three that could maybe help buy some time for Kevin Durant to to find it again I wouldn't count on the Royce O'Neal thing from behind the arc on a frequent basis that's a bonus because he's you know basically he's here to because he's the only guy that can guard anybody uh with the exception of Durant who you know, does sometimes, and I don't blame him for not being able to be a full-scale defensive player all the time because he has to do so many other things. Uh, but him shooting the ball, I think, is the least of the Suns' concerns right now. Um, you can't be losing this game, though, tonight against the uh, Rockets with a tough stretch ahead. They already lost to the Rockets a few games ago, and then with the back-to-back, like I said, uh, two two in a row against the Rockets, you have to take care of – you have to take care of business against the teams that you should be beating. They've already lost twice to the Rockets this year. <laughs> so that'll be a contest tonight, 7 p.m. on 3TV. Wanted to go through some of the NBA teams, and I thought it was interesting. We did this just after the trade deadline with Zach Harper from The Athletic, and he had broken it down into many different tiers, with Tier 1 being the contenders and Tier 2 being the brink of contention. So I'm just kind of curious to see how they've evolved now over the last couple of weeks. And with the Tier 1, the contenders, I think firmly holding this spot is the Boston Celtics. Last week, they were ranked first. Offensive rating, 121.1, which is first in the NBA. Defensive rating, 110.7, which is third in the NBA. Uh, But obviously, the Celtics here playing really good ball and have have found a way to integrate, you know, Kristaps Porzingis into the lineup, Drew Holiday bringing that defensive presence that he has to the floor. I would imagine the uh, Celtics' biggest concern from now until the end of the season, I would have said this from day one of the season, is how long uh, is Porzingis going to be healthy? Uh, Because that's been a big problem in his career. Uh, Can he make it to the end of the regular season? I would have said this in week one of the NBA season. How long is he going to stay healthy? And uh, to this point, he's done a really good job of that. uh, They've been tremendous. And uh, at least in the regular season, they seem to be by far the best team. Then you have number two is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Last week, they were ranked fourth. Chet Holmgren, though, he's been unreal. He's shooting well. Shot blocking is off the charts. He competes defensively on the perimeter as well. Offensive rating 119.6 is third in the NBA. Defensive rating 111.4 fourth. I know, obviously, Shea Gildas Alexander gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so. That's why I shifted to talking a little bit about Chet there. Yeah, I think he's been a huge surprise, and actually, I'm just gonna you know go to my my friend, my best friend for a hundred years is six uh, eleven. Uh, he wasn't always six eleven, but he was always taller than everybody else. Uh, but he also played college basketball at Northwestern and was drafted by the Celtics and ended up playing in Europe for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, so he pays attention to big guys. 
He did not think. I don't. Hopefully, he know. I'm not stepping out of turn here. Uh, He did not think that Chet Holmgren would be much of an impact in the NBA. Obviously, he and many others have been wrong about that, and he is a really good player. But the fact that you know, me, my friend, the big man, uh, uh, never you know just questioned about him, had questions about him from the start. Uh, that, that just goes to show you that uh, you know Holmgren has definitely exceeded a lot of expectations. He wasn't you know I heard you know, people on NBA TV say this too. That uh, yeah, will he be a good NBA player? And that was a legitimate question at the time when he came out of uh, Gonzaga. You know, I wonder if uh, the prevailing thought here at the time was his size. I mean, obviously he's tall, but he's very lengthy. So if he was going to be able to kind of withstand some of that down low game, obviously he can stretch the the floor, though, with his skill set. But in general, he has maybe shown more, you know, skills in areas that I didn't think he had in college, or maybe he just wasn't uh, put in positions to utilize them. Yeah, it was to me. It was difficult to judge him in college because you know they played in the West Coast Conference and that conference sucked. Uh, other than St. Mary's and that's you know, well, BYU was in the conference then too. They weren't bad, but anyway, there was not much of a competition level. I know they uh, Gonzaga to this day, and I'm guessing forever. Uh, they try to get some good non-conference games before the conference season begins, uh, fully aware that their conference isn't very good. But to me, the hardest thing of trying to figure out if Holmgren was really uh, going to take the next step at the next level is I couldn't figure out how good he was in college. Number three in this list is the Nuggets. Last week they were ranked fifth. Nuggets are obviously hitting their stride here. Offensive rating 117.5. That's tied for ninth. Defensive rating 113.4, which is 10th. But as I mentioned here, uh, they're hitting their stride and, and really, I think, done a nice job to try to you know put themselves in position to be a top seed uh, in the NBA West, but not overexerting yourself and not uh, putting, hopefully trying to avoid some injuries. You're being really nice about this. They basically have coasted their way through the season here. Uh, I believe in the last two games, though, they have now beaten the Warriors, who they had not uh, they crossed all the time, and they beat the Kings, who they have not been good against here the last couple of years. Uh, they've beaten both those teams the last couple of games here. Then number four is the Timberwolves. Last week they were ranked second in this list. You know, Rudy Gobert, Nas Reed, they've been effective this season. Offensive rating 114.8, which is 17th. And we had talked about it before that a lot of those numbers come from when, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards is off the floor. It kind of dips down. That's why they made the trade for Morris like they did at the trade deadline. Defensive rating 107.9, which is first in the league. Are you surprised at all that this this is now working with Rudy Gobert and the Timberwolves? Not really, because I thought the biggest problem last year is that Carl Anthony Towns was hurt to start the season and uh, not particularly good when he came back and played some during the season last year. So not really. I mean, uh, uh, I, I also, I think I'm speaking out of turn here because there are very few teams in the NBA I've seen less of this year than Minnesota. Then you have the L.A. Clippers, last ranked uh, third, this week fifth. 
Any concern here with injuries? I mean, there's always concern with injuries here, but Paul George has missed the last couple of games, and then they blow a 21-point lead to the Lakers last night. Offensive rating 119.1, which is fourth. Defensive rating 114.6, tied for 13th. Always concerned about the injuries. You know, I don't give a damn about the regular season. I could care less what happened last night. I know they blew a 400-point lead, and LeBron just destroyed them in the fourth quarter. Even I know that. Uh, trying to pretty much avoid thinking about it, the regular season at all. So, you know, that was pounded into my brain this morning by ESPN in the, like, 20 minutes I had uh, sports center on this morning at, at 7 o'clock. Uh, so there's that. But you know, I could care less as long as if they, if they're, if they're healthy when the, uh, the playoffs start. They have a lot of really good high-level players and an excellent coach. I'll take my chances with the Clippers if they're healthy to start the postseason. Tier two, brink of contention. Number six is the Cavs. Last week they were six, so they remain the same here. Uh, you're certainly seeing uh, what the Cavs are capable of doing with some of the players coming back and healthy, and then when they're able to hit half-court shots to win. Uh, offensive rating, <laughs> though, 115.9, which is 15th. Defensive rating, 110.4, which is second. I saw that highlight the other night too. So there you go. Uh, you know, actually, the next, you know, on this seven o'clock a.m. Sports Center, I saw that highlight several times. Uh, actually, I need the I need if the Cavaliers and the Timberwolves play against each other, I need to watch that game because I haven't watched uh, the, the Eastern Conference teams. I've hard, I've watched hardly any. I've watched, I'm sure, less of the Cavs than anybody that's a supposed contending team. Number seven is the Bucks. Last week, eleven. Are the Bucks starting to gel defensively here? Offensive rating for them is 118.9. Fifth, defensive rating 115.5, which is 17th. Well, they're like top five in the league, though, since Doc became the coach defensively, right? At least they were as of Sunday, so yeah. I assume that hasn't changed in five days. Uh, so that's a big deal. I just find it uh, interesting. It'll be especially interesting uh, if Damian Lillard's actually on the floor at the end of games in the playoffs when they're on defense because he's yet to guard anybody in his NBA career. Uh, then we have the Mavs at number eight last week, nine. Derek Lively, he's been a really solid uh, rookie for the Mavs this season. Obviously, they made some trades that have been very beneficial to them. Kyrie is back and healthy now. Offensive rating 117.5, which is tied for ninth. Defensive rating, to no surprise here, 116.4, which is 21st. Yeah, but I'm guaranteeing that's changed tremendously and immensely since P.J. Washington came over for the thug, Grant Williams, and they got him the hell out of there, which was a terrible idea when they signed him to begin with. They should have known what they were getting and somebody that just wants to injure players and doesn't really care about winning a game. Uh, so that was not surprising to me. Washington's a really good player. Uh, we got to see him play against the Suns. Was that the first game out of the All-Star break uh, last week? Uh, he may, he has completely changed their team, completely changed their team. And then finally here, the last in this category is the Suns at number nine. Last week they were seventh, though, in this list. Um, you know, at some point, we're waiting. Are we going to see it come together? Offensive rating 117.7 is tied for seventh. Defensive rating 114.6, which is tied for 13th. If people would have listened to me in July, you wouldn't have been waiting for the last nine months. Uh, they're not any good. Uh, they're an average, at best, NBA team, and I would be shocked if they did anything in the playoffs. 
And unless they play the Lakers in a first-round series, I'm almost 100% certain at this point I will be picking against the Suns in the first round of the postseason no matter whom they're playing. I really don't want to have to do this. I really don't want to have to say that you were right. So I'm really hoping that something happens here in the next 20 games, an amazing run takes place, and then I don't have to say that you were right, and then we don't have to go through all of that. Well, you just all would have listened to me in July. <laughs> uh, but uh, this team's poorly constructed, and they're just not good enough. Uh, and I can't imagine my opinion's going to change in the next you know, you know, 30 games or however, 25 games or whatever it is they have left in the regular season. They just don't have the personnel to win games in the postseason, and I said that in July. This is a horribly constructed team. It's time to get into uh, Major League Baseball, and we find out who should have been on this list from yesterday on the hot seat for 2024 from Bob. We'll do that next. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Twelve twenty-four here on this Thursday, February 29th. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until... One o'clock today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So yesterday, we had a conversation. Uh, the Athletics' Jim Bowden put together five MLB managers on the hot seats to start 2024. As a recap, they were John Snyder of the Blue Jays, Oliver Mormol of the Cardinals, Derek Shelton of the Pirates, Bud Black of the Rockies, and Pedro Grafol of the White Sox. And Bob had said that there were a couple of names that he thought should be on this list and a couple of names that he didn't think should be on this list. So the homework assignment was, who should have been on this list? So, Bob, take it away. Okay. First up, Jim Bowden does excellent work on Sirius XM MLB Radio, by the way, and I uh, enjoy listening to him on that. Um, okay, the guy that uh, – now I'm going to break this down, and i got two guys here. I'm going to break them into two separate categories, however. Uh, the first is just kind of a general thing. Uh, Scott Service uh, for Seattle. Now, I'm not sure what his contract situation is, and if he has a long-term – if they extended his contract, maybe that factored into why Bowden put, didn't put him in this list. Uh, but, uh, you know, he should be on this list. Uh, I understand that you're competing in the same division against Houston and Texas last year and uh, and Houston for several years, but this is a team that should be better. They've got excellent starting pitchers. I'm getting ready for a couple of fantasy drafts, one AL only and one mixed league draft. I've got like seven guys from the Seattle Mariners, pitchers, just pitchers on, the, you know, on my draft you know, priorities and lists and so forth. They seem to underachieve there, and their position players have really underachieved, with the exception of Julio Rodriguez, who actually was not good the first half of last year before he did make it out, seemingly, in the second half of last season. But this team should be better. I don't care who you're competing against in the division, and uh, if he is on a short contract at this point, uh, I would have thought at the end of last year he could have been in danger of losing his job, quite frankly. But he's number one by far in this list. The other one 
is just a you know, kind of a you know, lack of career achievement, in my opinion. Uh, we talked about the Reds a little bit in the last couple of days this week, and I've talked about them for several years. I'm a Reds fan, and I am so frustrated because they're hor- they've got a ton of good young players, and they have a manager that seems to be completely inept when it comes to player development and David Bell, and they still have Bell. I actually advocated that they fire him two years ago, and here we are, and he's still there. Now, there's a story out there that his the, the owner of the Reds' wife is, like, really good friends with Bell's wife or somebody in the family. There's some kind of thing going on there, apparently. Uh, but there's, there's no reason that David Bell should still have a job as a manager in Major League Baseball, let alone not be on this list. Now, do you think, going back to the Mariners here, do you think that um, maybe one of the reasons why he was coming back this season is that it almost felt like they were offloading to go in a different direction before the trade deadline. Um, But then all of a sudden, they started winning games and they suddenly became a team that improved, even though it looks like they were trying to go the other way before the trade deadline. And so sort of in a sense, expectations are um, different within the Mariners organization than maybe what they are publicly. Yeah. I didn't quite have that theory during the, at the trade deadline. I mean, they had a surplus of pitchers. Uh, I just mentioned they they still have of the guys they still have. I want a whole bunch of them on my fantasy teams. Uh, You know, the Seawald, they weren't going to resign him long-term after this upcoming year. I doubt the Diamondbacks will either, quite frankly. Uh, But he obviously served a tremendous purpose for the Diamondbacks. And, you know, they have a, a you know, vast array of relief pitchers. Part of these guys are on my list, <laughs> my two list, uh, for upcoming fantasy drafts. So I didn't really – I think we were just kind of giving up surplus. They got some really good young players in return, and a couple of those young players should help them this year. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens or not. And I don't necessarily think it's a Scott Service issue, but it seems like their position players, they're, they're – they're, their, their pitching staff, they've got a billion young pitchers, and they seem to be improving. That's important. Uh, their position players, with the exception of Julio Rodriguez, who nobody could screw up because he's so talented, they don't seem to have the same developmental you know, level of play than they, the pitchers do. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question or not, but that's kind of my – my conclusion there, and that's kind of what I thought about them at the trade deadline last year and what I think of uh, what their situation is now. Now, for the red side of things, um, you know, they obviously have a ton of talented players, and I think for you, one of the frustrations is just making smart choices, uh, where to go with the baseball, uh, how, to, how to run the bases, things that are somewhat kind of basic, maybe in the, the player development category here. So if you is there certain something that you or a particular player that you want to see uh, have an improvement this year to maybe say he gets off that list in your mind? The biggest thing is they've got too many players that play the same damn position. Um, or, you know, same positions in the field. Like, they have multiple middle infielders. Uh, They have several guys who could play third base, and they go out and spend millions of dollars on, you know, know, Candelaria and free agency. So they're going to – he's going to play because they're paying him. He's going to play third base. 
They had guys who could play third base. They have multiple position players who just duplicate each other. Uh, they should have traded some of those guys. This isn't just a David Bell thing. This is also a management problem, too. Uh, but uh, they've drafted players. They've drafted great. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Minor league development. They, they've had guys playing the minor leagues, and then they've changed positions once they got to the major leagues. What good does that do? Now, this is a frustrated Reds fan speaking out here, too. Uh, where this team, they haven't won a World Series since 1990, and they've really only had a chance to be any good a couple of times, but Dusty Baker ruined that uh, because he was a you know, terrible manager for them. Uh, he did some good things elsewhere after he left, but he was they got very little out of Dusty Baker as their manager. They did not max out when he was the manager. They should have won the damn World Series in 2011 or 12 when he was there. Once again, my frustration is boiling over here. But you know, th th I just don't understand their whole organizational plan. What the hell is it? And plus, they don't have very many good pitchers. Um, well, thank you for doing the homework assignment. And I actually think, uh, for sure, the Mariners, I agree with you here. Um, and I know that you have the frustration on the Reds. And it's, it's interesting uh, seeing... Seeing them and the explosion of youth and now how are they going to channel all of that? And I might come around to be on your side of things if it doesn't go well for the Reds uh, to get off to a good start to start the season. Well, that would be really interesting if that happened. Um, you know, for, you know, it'd be bad. I don't want that to happen. Uh, it'd be fun if they were, you know, I watched them more last year than I've watched them in a season for a long time. Because, you know, they had one incredible month, uh, but, you know, gave people, including myself, what turned out to be total false hope, even though after watching them literally for that month and watching how they were horribly managed and what the heck are they doing type of things, you know, they got Ellie De La Cruz, who is a phenomenal talent. He has no idea how to play baseball. None. Zero. He just runs until he gets thrown out. Now, most of the time he doesn't get thrown out. Uh, so he steals bases. He's a tremendous fantasy player, I'm guessing. He can't hit for a uh, batting average, can't hit left-handed pitchers. Uh, they have him in the wrong position at shortstop. Uh, it, it's just, these things are just aggravating to me, needless to say. I'm sure that people have kind of figured that out. <laughs> uh, so now for something that I saw trade-wise here, uh, according to Jeff Passan, the Twins acquired outfielder Manuel Margot for shortstop Noah Miller. The Dodgers get $12 million off the books on um, Margot's contract, and then this paves the way for Kike Hernandez to return to the Dodgers on a one-year deal. The Dodgers love Kike Hernandez. Uh, do you still agree that he has, has something left in the tank to be a productive member of Los Angeles this season? He, I don't even know where he plays. I mean, he doesn't play every day. Um, you know, they've got, you know, Teoscar Hernandez now playing left field. And uh, so, you know, Hayward's playing right field. And I assume Altman's going to play center field. Uh, so, you know, Hernandez is actually a platoon player, which is what he should be. But Margot wasn't going to be an everyday player either. He was going to play, you know, occasionally. Uh, and they never, it turns out Margot never played a game for the Dodgers because they acquired him in a trade over the winter from Tampa. So he never played a major league game. I don't know if he, I don't think he played. Maybe he played in the spring training game last week. Uh, I'm not sure about that. But uh, 
you know, but uh, th this trade, it really has no bearing to me at all for either team, quite frankly. Uh, you know, I think we're going to save uh, this for tomorrow. Mike Petrello of MLB.com put together the teams projected to dominate defensively this year, and there might be a local squad on this list. So we'll get into that, I think, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You need to get a different list if they're not on there. <laughs> for now, we'll update what's going on at the Cognizant Classic uh, for the Bear Trap. Chad Ramey out in front at seven under par. Andrew Novak, Ryan Moore, Austin Eckrote, Cameron Young, Chesson Hadley all in a tie for sixth, or a tie for second, excuse me, at six under par. You know, what's certainly interesting here is that this played as one of the toughest golf courses on the PGA Tour playing over par uh, but certainly these are some low scores and I'm curious what to know is what the scoring average on hole number 10 is going to be at day's end we talked about that on yesterday's show that hole number 10 last year was playing as a par four about 500 and so yards and a lot of people were over par this year they made it a par five playing at about 530 yards and i'm seeing a lot of the top guys here uh taking advantage of hole number 10 and making birdie so i'm curious to see what hole number 10 scoring average is going to be uh Eric Cole, he was getting a ton of money uh, because he played in the playoff last year that he ultimately lost to Chris Kirk, but it propelled him onto the PGA Tour. He won Rookie of the Year. He's a guy that I really like his game, really like his consistency. He's a person that we played a lot early on in the season, and he performed well for us. Stayed off of him, though, uh, because I didn't like the like 22 to 1 odds, and he is struggling so far. He's 3 over through 8 holes. Uh, then you have our guy, Chris Kirk, who we liked to go uh, finish in the top 20 Chris Kirk shot four under par to open up his title defense. That's good for tied for 13th right now. Like I said, low scoring, so everybody is really bunched together. Our, our guy Carson Young in a long shot as well as top 40. He's two under par through five holes, so he'll need to uh, keep things going. Alex Noren, he's even through six. Uh, he made a couple of bogeys there, I see. He was a couple under par the last I had looked. Oh, it's because he made a double. He made a double on hole 15. One of the bear trap holes got him. Hole number 15. That gets the bear trap started uh, on 15, 16, and 17. So we'll see how he can turn things around. Uh, so that's what's happening in the Cognizant Classic, formerly known as the Honda Classic, on the PGA Tour. But it's poll question time. On the other side of the break, we'll get into Jaden Daniels, as well as uh, a little maybe some trade discussion involving the Arizona. Cardinals. We'll do that next right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. 
up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. But it's time to get involved in the poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. It pertains to Jefferson. Uh, it pertains to Jaden Daniels. And if you missed Bob's interview with Jefferson Powell, TigerDetails.com, podcast that over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. The question, should former ASU quarterback Jaden Daniels be selected ahead of Drake May in the 2024 NFL draft? This is a no-brainer for me. Jaden Daniels had multiple good games against SEC defenses last year. Some of those were amongst the best in college football, the defenses. He has improved in each of his two seasons at LSU after he escaped the nonsense and sometimes questionable coaching at ASU. I never imagined that he'd be at this stature at the end of his college career heading into the NBA draft, however. But I don't disagree with it. I can definitely understand the notion that you know, he might be too small to be an NFL quarterback, but the only really big injury or any injury, to my knowledge, that he had in 2023 came on maybe the most blatant cheap shot I saw in college football last season against Alabama. That resulted in him having a concussion. He had to leave the game, but he did play the next LSU game, which I think was actually in two weeks. I think he had a week off, but... That His slight build had nothing to do with that injury. Uh, Drake May, on the other hand, has seldom played uh, well against the better defenses in the ACC, and it's not like the ACC had, uh, was littered with good defenses, so he didn't have that many opportunities. But when he did, uh, he didn't play you know, particularly well in a couple of those games, especially last season. In fact, I think that he actually played better, may play better in 2022 than he did in 2023. Hence, I don't think he improved. Uh, Daniel certainly improved. Yeah, may does have an elite arm. I'm guessing that's why some of the you know, draft Knicks out there are taking May ahead of Jaden Daniels. Uh, I would actually have J.J. McCarthy ahead of May. Uh, and I'm not so sure I wouldn't have J.J. McCarthy ahead of Daniels, but definitely I'd have him ahead of May. Uh, McCarthy for two years has excelled against the elite defenses that he's faced for two years now uh, when he's, he's only been a starting quarterback for two years at Michigan. And I think that's a, a big deal when you do the, your best work against the better defenses you faced. But it seems like the NFL doesn't seem to think that's as important as I do, which I'm confused about. Uh, so I'm on the side of yes as well. Um, I mean, I think it's it's – the the cause for concern about his build is obviously one to be able to withstand some of the hits that he's going to take with the kind of the style of play that he he possesses i think i saw something somewhere that uh in measurables this week a lot of nfl scouts would like to see him above 210 pounds so we'll see how he measures in um when it comes though to his versatility i think he has more of it than drake may i i think to your point he showed out against the sec defenses which just are uh better than acc defenses and in moments when drake may had opportunities to lead unc down the field to either come from behind to win or to try to solidify a win 
he just wasn't accurate with the passes. He wasn't um, uh, he, he wasn't able to move them down the field and do what you need from your starting quarterback. Whereas in similar situations, Jaden Daniels did that for LSU last season. And obviously he was rewarded with the Heisman Trophy. I think it comes down to maybe the perception and what maybe uh, teams want out of their quarterback because Jaden Daniels is going to have a a running element to it, the slight build, whereas Drake May is your quote-unquote more prototypical uh, pocket passer. He's your more prototypical-sized quarterback. But I do think that Jaden Daniels' play uh, with LSU has certainly moved him ahead of Drake May. It just kind of comes down to what uh, I think teams want from their starting quarterback. And um, I'm also curious as well for both of those guys, how accuracy translates to the NFL win- level when windows get a little bit tighter and uh, you don't have as long to throw the football. So your clock speeds up. But I do think based upon performance last year, uh, it would go in the direction of Jaden Daniels. I think that's an excellent assessment. I just would add that to the last two years uh, based on what they've done the last two seasons. You have one guy that, clearly was good and improved to an elite status in college football last year. And we have a second guy in May who didn't play nearly as well in 2023 than he did in 2022. The masses, they're in agreement there on the yes side of things to the tune of 73% of the vote. No is sitting at 27%. This is over at KDOS1060.com. Tossing this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Should the Arizona Cardinals trade Buda Baker, you know, I I think you certainly have to seriously look into it. If a team is willing to provide, uh, you know, something back to you for Buda Baker, I I think you have to consider it. And this has nothing to do with how hard Buda plays. This has nothing to do with his leadership in the locker room. We certainly saw that on display when Hard Knocks was here a couple of years ago. Uh, His passion for the game, uh, what he does from the safety position, it has absolutely nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that the Cardinals' roster needs are extensive. And if you're able to get some in return for Buda Baker while there's still you know high value here for him then you have to look into it uh and and then if you want to be nice and and also provide him the opportunity to go somewhere where his play is going to count for playoff wins uh then that would be a nice little bonus there for him too but it has nothing to do with his leadership has nothing to do with you know, the type of player that he is, it has everything to do with there's just a lot that the Cardinals have to address. And if you're able to keep acquiring uh, picks or keep acquiring something to help you address those needs, you have to look into all options. Yeah, I think the Cardinals actually should have traded Baker before last season when they actually could have gotten more in return for him. Uh, This is another no-brainer question for me, though. Uh, They have even more reason to trade him now than they did a year ago from the Cardinals side of things. Uh, you know, the, you know, he's a free agent at the end of the season. I think it's highly, highly unlikely that he will be on the Cardinals roster in 2025. They would have to massively overpay for him to come back because he's going to have opportunities to go to an organization that has a chance of winning in the next three or four years, which I don't think is going to happen here. Uh, so I think he probably is aware of that. Also, I do think, you know, Monty Ossenfort, in a little more than a year, I think he's done an excellent job. 
uh, you know, picking up the roster that was a mess when Steve Kime was fired, finally. Uh, Austin Fort, I think he fully realized that they have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Uh, maybe they had, I think they actually had the worst roster in the NFL uh, at this time last year, and I think you make a case it was one of the two, two or three worst rosters by the end of the year. That wasn't his fault. Uh, but, you know, they wisely decided to just completely strip it down and start from scratch like a year ago at this time. I think that the draft position they've done an excellent job, as I mentioned. They already have six of the first 90 picks of the draft upcoming, seven of the top 105. The problem here might be I'm not exactly sure what Baker's trade value is. Uh, he's 28. It's not like safety is a position where you know, teams trade for or pay a lot of money for. It's not like running back, obviously, which we've heard all about. But there's not a lot of safeties that are considered to be difference-making players. And I'm not sure Baker is. I mean, he's not good in pass coverage. We've seen that since he got here. Uh, he's tremendous. The best two things he, the two best things that he does is a defender are actually play the run at the line of scrimmage, and he's got a real knack for blitzing quarterbacks, which this defense didn't do much of last year. I don't think they took advantage of his skills last year. One of the few knocks I had on the Cardinals last year, quite frankly, is that I don't think he was put in the position to do the best things that he does on a football field. But I'm not sure what his trade value is, but still, all that part being said, I think they'd be crazy if they did not trade him uh, and I would imagine if they were going to trade him at some time in 2024, they should do it before the draft. The masses here are on the no side of things at 69.6% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 30.4%. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. I'm curious what the no sentiment is. If it's some of those intangibles that we were talking about think the fans just love him and it's hard not to i mean he's you know you mentioned the hard knocks thing i think a lot of people that have either listened to him in the media or you had a chance to talk to him before and so forth you he's a good dude a really good dude uh but you know by the time the Cardinals are any good he's gonna be like 32 years old yeah you know that's the you know not many teams get to turn things around in like one season when you look at what the texans had happened to them last year but it's usually a couple of couple of year process to overhaul the roster too bad the cardinals can't draft uh, cj stroud and will anderson with the first two picks two of the first three picks we wrap it up on the other side of the break it is the extra point have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Wrapping up this Thursday, February 29th edition of Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. And Bob, it is thank you time. 
As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slip for the cracks. Also, we thank our guest today, uh, Jefferson Powell of Tiger Details. Uh, towards the end of that interview, uh, he gave you all the uh, areas where you can get a hold of his work and so forth. So check that out via, via podcast. Excellent stuff with uh, Jefferson about Jaden Daniels. Got into the LSU wide receivers, who I unfortunately just saw featured on EFL Network now. I would have liked to have seen that before we had Jefferson on, but I didn't. Uh, but I knew enough about them to fake my way through it. Uh, and then uh, we got into a uh, little 2024 LSU football. And also Nick Saban, no longer in the SEC, we covered. Uh, Sound of the Day, courtesy of ESPN, ACC Digital Network, Fox, Pac-12 Networks, ABC, and also 3TV. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3 p.m., followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports 2 with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. Then we have two sets of play-by-play action for you tonight. ASU Women's Basketball is hosting UCLA. Pre-game at 6.30, tip at 7. Jeff Munn on the call right here on KDUS AM 1060. As for NAU Men's Basketball, they're at Idaho State. Uh, that'll be 6.30 p.m. pre-game and 7 o'clock tip over on KAZG 1440. Speaking of hoops, The Suns are hosting the Rockets tonight, 7 p.m. on 3TV. And then a little bit of golf news here for you. The ninth edition of The Match, which featured this time around Rory McIlroy, Max Homa, Lexi Thompson, and Rose Zhang. Uh, Viewership wasn't thrilled here. It was just over 500,000 viewers across TNT, uh, True TV, and HLN. That was 250,000 less than the June 2023 edition, which featured Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey versus Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. However, the match was able to reportedly uh, raise $41 million for charity, so it still was able to do a great thing. Oh, that's good. Uh, so that is great news. I'm just curious yeah. to see if they'll continue forward with additions of the match or if they'll just um, revamp who's involved next time around. I was going to say, maybe they didn't you know, publicize it enough because I didn't even know that they had it. And now it's over and done. <laughs> so I didn't even know about it. In fairness, I forgot all about it as well. And a wonderful friend had texted and reminded me that it was on. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I know that the whole thing ended up going way too long. It was over three hours. It had allotted a three-hour broadcast time frame for it. And it went too long. Uh, so I'm just curious if they're going to just reassess the whole formatting of everything and how they're going to produce it moving forward. That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp gets us started on a Friday tomorrow at 10 a.m.